This is Andrea Miller, your host of Open Relationships Transforming Together. I am excited to be joined by Joanna Schroeder and Brian Adkins. We have an amazing show teed up for you. We've got Siri Lindley on the show, and she has some epic stories and epic, super actionable, super helpful takeaways. Uh, but I can't not introduce her before. Just a quickie reminder about the relationship crisis that we are in as a society the loneliness epidemic, the mental health crisis that we here on this show are so eager to address by having these open conversations, by really opening ourselves up, by inviting incredible guests that are willing to be uh, vulnerable and keep it real with us. That's how we transform together. It is a group sport. It is not an isolated one-person sport, uh, this this uh, sport of life, if you will. So. Thanks for listening and watching, and um, I am excited to introduce Siri Lindley. All right, let's get her on. Do we have her? Yeah, she's here. Let's go. uh, Lobby. Okay, awesome. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, Siri, welcome. I am so excited to have you on the show. I'm going to quickly read your amazing bio. Uh, Siri Lindley is a two-time world champion triathlete, winner of 12, count them, 12 ITU World Cup races, an inspirational life coach, and one of Tony Robbins' top uh, favorite motivational speakers, top uh, 10, I should say. In 2020, after her successful battle against cancer, Siri launched two new coaching programs, the Serious Squad for anyone looking to unleash their fitness and the Seriously Authentic Squad, a program for life coaching. Along with her wife, Rebecca Keat, they have co-founded two nonprofits, Believe Ranch and Rescue, dedicated to rescuing horses from slaughter, and Horses in Our Hands, lobbying to ban horse slaughter. There is so much more to say about this incredible woman. We'll talk about it in the show, including one of my favorite little anecdotes is Siri decided she wanted to become a champion triathlete. Um, at a time in her life when she didn't know how to swim. Uh, Siri, you are pure inspiration. As you know, I've been delighted to see you live twice speaking at Tony Robbins events and one uh, virtually. So um, thank you so much for being on our show. I'm so happy to be here. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you, Andrea and um, Joanna. I'm thrilled to be here on the show. I love um, what this show is all about. And I can't wait to get started. So thank you for that wonderful introduction. And uh, let's make it happen. Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, um, you have a ton of incredible stories to tell. But what I one of the ones that has been so meaningful to me is you describe your father, whom you loved and adored, how he rejected you, which was devastating. And from your account, it seemed to bring you to your knees. And yet by also by your own account, you credit the experience with leading to a huge transformation in your life. What happened? Wow. Um, I had just discovered that I was gay. I was around 21 years old. And at that time, it, it wasn't like the world is today. So I grew up <laughs> in a family. My father, especially on his side, um, were you know, all all the phobics of everything but yeah. the, what they were. And um, when my father found out, uh, he called me and 
he was crying so hard. He he couldn't even speak for about two minutes. He couldn't even speak. He was just crying. And I thought, here's my dad, who is my hero at the time. He was he came to every single game at Brown University. He would drive three hours there, three hours back, twice a week. Best friend, my hero, my greatest source of love. So I'm thinking he's dying and I'm Stop. panicking. And when he finds his words, he and he said exactly this. He said, somebody told me you're gay. And I could not possibly have a daughter that's gay. Tell me right now, Siri, that this isn't true. And I said to him, I said, Dad, it's true, but I'm me. I'm the same me that I've always been. Please just love me anyway. This doesn't change anything. And he hung up the phone. And it was two years before I got another call from him. And after that, they became, you know, more and more rare, mostly because when he did call, I took that as an opportunity to just unleash and purge all my anger, all my resentment, all my bitterness. So what I failed to see at the time is that he was trying to reconnect but when he did, I just uh, took that as an opportunity to rip him to bits. So I was kind of doing the same thing he had done to me. But uh, that was painful. And, you know, it made me feel like everything that I had become as a as a 23-year-old meant nothing now that I was gay. And, and his rejection and in that, he was saying that, because you are who you are, you will never be happy. You will never be loved. You will never be successful. And you don't deserve any goodness in your life. And that's heartbreaking. But at the same time, you know, I, I could have just given up because the story he's telling me is just that. But I, I wasn't willing to live the story he was telling me. And this is where that shift came. And this is where the gift was because... I had to tell myself a different story, whether I believed it or not in that moment. And that new story was because if I can show up in this world as all that I am and live fearlessly authentic from that place, I can achieve anything that I dream of achieving. I will find love, not just for another or from another, but a love for myself. And I can inspire people and make a difference. Like I was so determined to become her that believed this story. And that literally just lit a fire underneath me to go do something where I could prove this story my truth. And that's when triathlon came in to my life. It was something I obviously had never done before. I was a field hockey, ice hockey, and lacrosse player growing up and all through college. But um, this sport... If you know anything about it, swimming, biking, and running. And when I saw my first race where a friend of mine was was racing, I, it was just so clear to me that every single person on that race course was finding themselves through this challenge. And that's what I needed to do. I needed to find me. I needed to find a love for myself, a respect for myself, a worthiness from within. And that was going to be the vehicle through which I did it. That was a long answer. Sorry, guys. I took that. No, I, I, I mean, it is, it's so impressive and I've taken a bunch of notes, but I mean, 
when you say after what happened that that was the gift, capital T, capital G, and that it uh, you were determined to be fiercely authentic. I, I mean, I feel like isn't that it, it's the it's the hero's journey, right? And and you decided to um, you know to choose yourself. And a lot of people don't have that courage or wisdom. And it's interesting that you, as an athlete, that you chose athletics as a way to do that. I mean, it, and and knowing that it's something so demanding that, I, you know, it's like you, what's so amazing about your story is uh, the hugely high goals you set for yourself and how you achieve them. Mm, so, well, I mean, and well, thank you for that. And, you know, sports for me always, I, I had extreme anxiety. Uh, growing up oh. and all through my teens and through college and sports for me were that place where I found freedom you know sports require you to be so laser focused and present in the moment and mm -hmm. we all know yep. that to free yourself from anxiety you've got to get out of the pain of the past and you've got to get out of the worry of the future and that's where you find that freedom from anxiety so you know, sports for me was where I felt free, where I kind of filled back up again after being so drained of my fears and doubts and all of that stuff. But when it came to triathlon, I felt, you know, I'd proven myself as an athlete in, in those other sports, in the team sports. But this journey, I didn't see an alternative. It was to me, it felt like life or death. Like if I don't go prove to myself that I'm worthy and I can be happy and I can achieve and I can do great things, then what is my life going to be? And I just couldn't afford to not get uncomfortable and do something that was terrifying to me and just go all in and hope for the best. At least yeah. it would take me someplace better than the place I was in at that moment. It's interesting what you're saying about how sports allowed you to get away from anxiety because I'm, it made me start thinking about how much I love trail running. And it's so different than road running because you are thinking all the time about your footfall. Where am I going? Where is this? And also, I live in Southern California, so it's also like, where's the rattlesnake? Could there be a mountain lion? So like, <laughs> you are so in that moment and it becomes a meditation. And yeah. like we think of meditation as like sitting cross-legged and and oming, which is beautiful, but that doesn't work for me. But being on a mountain mountain bike or trail, that's what it is. It allows your brain to just be right there, right then, no option. Absolutely. And that's why a lot of people, you know, with anxiety are doers. They do, do, mm. do, 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 put their mind on other things and not have to think, which, you know, that's a thing in itself. It's a form of numbing and I don't recommend that. But Not when that Andrea you... and I know anything about yes. overachieving, <laughs> I think we all know something about that. But so you have to, you know, it's finding something where you can. And like you're saying, trail running, that's why I so prefer trail running to just running down a street, because you have to stay constantly laser focused on what you're doing in that moment. That's why I love horses, because in order to bond with a horse, you have to be fully present. So all these things, but, um, and also I think for triathlon, you know, it was three different things. It was swimming, it was biking, it was running. I didn't know how to swim. So it's like, okay, well, I need to learn how to swim and I need to get a coach. I, and there, it was definitely something to take my mind off of 
losing my father, losing the love of my father because of who I was and putting all that energy into something that I truly believed was going to be the answer as far as me finding freedom from the pain I was in. If you're learning to swim as an adult, there must also be fear. I mean, as a little, if you start when you're two, three, four, you kind of don't even remember not knowing how to swim, but that must have also been a big challenge. So I knew how to not drown. So I think (laughs) I'd overcome that fear. I knew how to not drown, but I had no idea about a swim stroke. You know, I had seen my mom who has this gorgeous head of blonde hair And when she swims, she doesn't want to get it wet because it takes her so long to get it looking the way it does. So she does the swan, you know, this thing. And the first time my friend was going to, you know, see what I had in the pool, um, I'm watching these real swimmers and their arms are coming out of the water. Their heads are under the water. And I just got in there and I was doing the swan with my arms like this. I mean, it was a disaster. But the fear part, I think the biggest fear for me always was what if, What if I can't? What if I can't become a good swimmer? What if I can't finish a triathlon? What if I can't? And I'm investing all my hopes and dreams and my own, you know, uh, personal uh, who I am based on this journey that I'm embarking upon. So I think the fear, which we all can relate to, is what if I'm not enough? I mean, that's it, right? That is it. I'd love to go back to what happened with your dad. Did he ever apologize? I mean, was there ever kind of a formal reconciliation? Well, so here's the beauty, you guys. And I, as Andrea, you would know from from having been to Tony Robbins events, one of the greatest things he ever said was, what if life is always happening for you, not to you? What if we believed that? What if we believed (laughs) that life is always happening for us, not to us? And that belief has served me so well in my life, but it didn't really come to me until, um, you know, I started rescuing horses. And these horses are coming from like horrific conditions. They've been starved to death. They've been abused. They've been neglected. They've been horrible. But within one week of saving these beautiful animals, one week of just being consistent and kind and loving and gentle and feeding them and giving them what they need, within one week, they forgive humans. And it just is so beautiful because they forgive humans. They open themselves up to our love and our connection. They open themselves up to joy and, and, you know, a, a beautiful future. And it made me think about my father. And and Tony has often said, like, those people that have hurt you, that you blame for all the bad in your life, you're going to also have to blame them for all the good. (laughs) Because, yeah, there was pain. But would you be who you are today if that person hadn't been who they were? Look at your superpower. Your greatest strengths. Where were those born? Those superpowers that put you in the position you are in your career, the superpowers that led you to becoming a world champion. Like what I realized was that his rejection was a gift, number one. And 
he was exactly the father I needed him to be to become the woman that I'm so proud to be today. I mean, what if he called me on that day and said, oh, Siri, somebody told me you're gay. You are just going to make the most fabulous lesbian. I mean, <laughs> what would I be doing? Well, you do. <laughs> but, but what would I be doing in my life right now? You know, yeah. we don't know, though, either. We don't know what other hardship there might have been. Sometimes I start traveling down that road. You know, I'm like, what if there hadn't been alcoholism in my family? I wouldn't have over. And then I'm like, I just can't even know. So it's like you just kind of I kind of try and go like, what's right now? That's what happened. It won't change. And, right? and I hear you. So what's right now? But how about we take it one step closer and decide to love ourselves enough to see the gift in it? To mm -hmm. love ourselves enough to not say, oh, that was so painful and why did it happen? Oh, no, it didn't lead to anything good. Like, why would we do that? That doesn't feel good. Yeah. I find yeah. such freedom and liberation knowing that, wow, because of everything that's happened in my life, I live this life that I live now that I love. And yeah. because of my pain, you know, my superpowers were born in my pain. So all of this, but from the horses, you know, I thought to myself, if we can forgive, we become free. Yes. So, so in this, you know, as I think about, as I thought about, and, and this was a Tony Robbins thing, like you have to blame them for the good if you're going to blame them for the bad, but also you might want to thank them. What can you thank them, blame them effectively yeah. for? So when I started thinking about this and I witnessed the freedom that the horses have when they just leave it behind... I thought, wow, holding on to this pain, holding on to this resentment, it almost gives me an excuse. It disempowers me. Because when I have someone to blame, I could say, oh, well, that part of my life, that was never as good as it could have been because my dad rejected me or I've never found the, this deep love that everybody dreams about because my dad made me feel like I wasn't lovable. Like, if you... If you have someone to be angry with and to blame, you are disempowered. You have an excuse as to why your life is not what you believe it should be. But when we forgive, we become free and we, we, we remove the shackles of disempowerment and pain that is that blame that we put on that person. So I feel like loving ourselves and the relationship with ourselves, why wouldn't we believe something that makes us feel better? Well, I want to jump in and say, I feel like it's the ultimate agency, right? Because yes. you're, you're, you know, you're taking this thing and, and, you know, sure, life could be easier if our parents were perfect and, and so forth. But to me, it does, it does feel like it is the ultimate empowerment to say, okay, I, I can, you know, continue to make excuses and blame and so forth. And I love the effect of blaming um, uh, um, construct. Uh, or I can choose to do what you did and say, okay, I'm going to choose freedom. I'm going to choose empowerment. Like that to me feels like the ultimate agency. And I've, I've long said, we as individuals, only we can give ourselves freedom. Yeah. Amen. Andrea, I love this. And this is what I say to everyone. I say, you own every aspect of your experience in life, like no matter what happens, good, bad, 
It's what you mm-hmm. focus on. It's the meaning you give it. It's what you choose to do about about the situation that creates your experience in life. Like life is up to you. And when I realized this, when I finally realized that life is up to me, everything that I'm experiencing, I'm creating. Mm -hmm. Maybe that feels like a lot of responsibility for you to hear that, that life is up to you, all up to you. Mm -hmm. But for me, that is the first time I ever felt in control in my life. I finally felt in control. And that is what set me free from my anxiety, from my OCD, because it's like, wow, life's up to me. It's not even yeah. happening like I create it, but I need to shift my focus to all the things that make me feel good, not bad. Focus on what I have versus what's missing. Focus on what I can control versus what I can't in every single moment so that I can create a better experience, whether it's in times of joy or times in pain of pain. Well, what I what I love about that and, you know, our experiences are are different, but also as somebody, you know, uh, Joanna and I talk a lot about um, having come from alcoholic families and and some of those. Uh, real hardships growing up, what I've experienced in my life is how setback after setback and disappointment and heartache, I'll say to myself, I'll write in my journal, oh, this is mastery, Ooh. right? And it feels like it's, it's so experiential yeah. because if if it wasn't experiential, it would be a theory mm-hmm. versus, you know, back to your point about life is up to me and owning it. And that just that reframing to me is so powerful. But again, the reframing isn't enough. It's like you have to freaking do it. And only in the doing it can you go, okay, mastery. You know what I mean? And then it's like, yeah. oh, don't say that too loud because more mastery is coming. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So Siri, let me ask you. I and just for background, there were so many years of my life where I was like so optimistic. This is way before anyone talked about top toxic positivity. It was just what I did, where I was like, Oh my God, I had an amazing childhood. I had the best stepdad. And so instead of thinking about the things my dad wasn't able to do, I was like, I had the best stepdad. Yeah. I was also, and it was great. I think it served me well in my 20s. But there was a deep hurt also that I wasn't addressing that I did have to go on. So how do we know the difference between pushing something away in an unhealthy way where we're shoving it down and focusing on the gift? Like, where's that line? You've got to do the work. And I know that's like cliche to kind of say that, but it's a work of of feeling your feelings around it. It's it's the work mm-hmm. of going there. It's the work of looking back. You know, like I I shared with you how my father, when he did start calling again, you know, I was so angry and I just held on to that anger. I didn't think about, you know, what else could this mean or any of those good things positive, optimistic things. I just held on to the anger and I ripped him to bits every time he called until he stopped calling altogether for 22 years. Is that because you hadn't processed it in a healthy way? Yes. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Joanna. Yeah. It's like I was expressing it through, you know, I trained so hard as a triathlete because the harder I trained, the more it hurt. It like, it made that pain less, the pain of, of what had happened. So that was kind of the way I was dealing with it. But it wasn't until I started really peeling the layers back and saying, but what else could this mean? Like my dad, you know, he came from a family where this is all he knew. Like yeah. he grew up like thinking that this was like a horrible thing that that his daughter was like. 
I wanted to try and understand him better. I wanted to be able to forgive myself for my reactions. Like with everything, when people make mistakes, no matter how big the mistake, like we're doing the best that we can with what we know at the time. Well, totally. And I feel like that's where Grace is. And it's amazing uh, that you learned at least some of that from caring for horses and in such a, a short amount of time. Um, but I, I would love to ask, since you, you know, you are um, in the, you know, top all-stars with uh, Tony Robbins, is there one thing, like the number one thing that you've learned from him that's been helpful in your life? I think it was just that taking ownership of the fact that life is up to me, you know, yeah. uh, the biggest thing that like, and and what I said in the beginning, you know, life is happening for us, but we are creating our circumstances. Things are going to happen yeah. for all of us. You know, life life is hard, but you know what? Nothing um, moves without pressure, right? And we grow the most through those challenges. And if well, we totally. want, so if we want to become more in our lives, like unfortunately, we're going to have to put pressure on ourselves, whether that's by working really hard or going beyond what we think we can, or we take those opportunities, those painful things that happen in life and try to find the lesson in it and try to become something more in overcoming it. But that I understand that no matter what's going on in my life, it is up to me how great it is or how bad it is. And I reached a point in my life where I decided I am, I don't want to suffer anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to suffer anymore. Well, that framing is so, I just think of it as this amazing uh, paradigm shift that anybody can use. And you said it a little while ago. I'm going to say it again. Life is happening for me, not to me. And if you believe that, and if you practice that, then I think you have the opportunity to uh, you know, to give yourself that freedom, right? Absolutely. And in, in a lot of ways, it's it's simple, but in a lot of ways, it's so profound. It's like obvious, but uh, but radical. But you have to work it. You know, it's you like work you it. can't just say, okay, well, now I'm going to believe that life is happening for me. Like you, mm-hmm. no, yes, totally. yes. When we shift our beliefs, we need to condition them until we truly that is our truth. So how mm-hmm. do we do that? That person that believes that life is happening for them, what would they think about that horrible thing that happened when you were 16? Mm-hmm. How yeah. would they describe, you know, the challenge you're faced with right now? And you don't respond the way you're used to responding. You respond as future you that believes that life is happening for you. What would she do? What would she believe about this? What actions would she take? And you do what she would do until you become her. And that's what I did. So with all these things, when I decided I don't want to suffer anymore, like I had to become her. I had to become (laughs) the future me that was joyful and grateful for every single moment in life. Like what would she do? What would she believe? What actions would she take? And this is how we become her. So this reminds me of, we had a guest, Jordan Reed, who said that she had a, has a visualization technique she uses where she imagines herself at age whenever, 25 years, she's my age, so she's 45. So let's say 65, 75. She imagines herself as a 75-year-old lady coming back 
and all the wisdom she will have gained, all the kindness, all the gentleness, and hugging herself now, hugging 45-year-old Jordan and saying, oh, the best is yet to come. There's so much for you and be gentle and all those things that it has like changed my perspective. And it's a similar thing. Like we almost can mother or parent ourselves with that gentleness and kindness. And also just a little bit of that, like, hey, hey, get moving. Come on. Right. And and that's so beautiful. I, I love that way of, of doing things. And, and thank you for sharing that. But it's also when you think about like the person you love the most in your life. And if they were going through or really struggling with growing up in an alcoholic family, okay, where there was a lot of pain and a lot of damage done, would you as that person that loves them more than anything in the world, would you want them to continue looking at it as this horrible thing that happened? Or would you want them to somehow find a way to to just leave that behind and being able to celebrate, you know, the life that they're living now. Like, wouldn't you want them to feel better about it? To grow past it. To grow grow past past it. And and I, my husband has this theory. He will, he'll often say, and it can be annoying, but he'll say, it's your really good friends that are not just going to sit there and go, oh yeah, that guy was such an asshole. And, you know, oh, you know, like, you know, be in the pity party. And at times it's like, no, I, I I want the pity party. I want the empathy. Yeah. But you know that. I mean, to your point, Siri, the really wise, really good friends will help you with that. I mean, and the really good wise ones will will do it in a way that's gentle so you can hear it. Yeah. But your point, it, you know, to me is the absolute right one where it's like, let's not continue to say, boo hoo, you're a victim because that doesn't really serve you. Right. No. And and I, I, I've been guilty in the past. Like, oh. Where are these people that are supposed to like be lifting me up? And it's like, Andrea, they are doing their jobs by not lifting you up. So you lift your own little ass up, you know? Right. And and yes. it's just that framing that's like, oh, I'm supposed to be lifting myself up now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like when all else fails. But you you uh touched upon something that's so important. And we we must do this with ourselves first. And that's not minimizing what happened. Yeah. Being there as a friend would be and say, you know, that is so hard. And it's so it's loving yourself through the pain, loving yourself through the hurt. But then it's that friend that comes in and says, you know what? We've suffered enough over this. Now let's try. Let's try and see, like, has anything good come out of this? You know, is there a way we can move beyond this? Like Joanna's saying. So you don't want to minimize it. You don't want to brush over it. You want to acknowledge. You want to love yourself through it. But then it's like, if you really love yourself, don't let yourself live this for the rest of your life. It's time to let go of the pain, to move beyond it, and to find joy again. It's like a breakup analogy where you get your pint of Ben and Jerry's, right? (laughs) And you have that horrible day where you just get through that whole thing. And your friend comes over and she eats something. You are just in it. You can't do that you watch every wedding day. crashers. Yes, you, you watch yeah. all the terrible stuff <laughs> and you talk about what an a-hole that person was. But eventually you got to just stop buying the pint of ice cream, stop mm-hmm. wallowing in yeah. it and yeah. move on. Yeah. Go as your, an athlete. And yeah. So so you know, it's the exact same thing. So as an athlete, you have a bad race. And for an athlete, when all they're focusing on is that race is everything to be all end all, like you're you're devastated if it doesn't go well. But if you stay devastated, 
and you're not training because you feel so sad, like you're not getting anywhere. Like forget all your dreams because you're not going anywhere. So it's a matter of getting all sad and depressed for maybe a day. And then it's like, okay, what can I do differently? What can I learn from this? What do I need to change? And it's getting back out there, you know, dusting yourself off and going all in and taking another crack. Like that's what we have to do. Yeah, it's like team sports and not allowing yourself to be mad at the ref for the bad call. Like you could be mad for a second, but then it's like, all right, I got to get that ball and get it to the goal. Yeah, right. So Siri, speaking of good friends, I I presume you um, have a, a close friendship with Tony. Are there times when you disagree with them or, you know, the advice that he's giving? It's really hard not to think of anything. I mean, I have my different way. And and I remember um, Mary Buckeye, who's uh, just one of my dear, dear friends. And she was one first one of the first people to to read my book when it was all finished. She said, Siri, this is what I love about this is is. You can see that you have been a student of Tony Robbins, but the way you present it is like totally different. It's like a totally mm-hmm. different way yeah. of seeing it, feeling it, putting it into experience. And she says, I love that because it's not just, you know, uh, transferring Tony it over. Jr. It's your take on it. And he has been, you know, such uh, an incredible mentor for me. Does that mean that that the things he thinks are the most important are the things I think are the most important? No, we have different experiences in life, but all of it is so incredibly important. And when you study this stuff, when you put it into practice, when you condition these new beliefs and new ways of being, um, it takes you on your own journey, which is going to look different to someone else's. So, um, well... Totally. I mean, what I love, you know, as you know, I'm I'm a big fan of his and um, I I just love what a great teacher he is. Uh, and I think it shows a lot of wisdom that he recognized in your story that that you had so much to teach other people. And to me, it's like what like it feels like that is truly one of the greatest gifts we give to each other. You know, horses can give it to us if we yeah. have that uh, privilege of being with horses in the in the caring way that you are. But I, I just think so much of our, our journey as human beings is one of loneliness and one of disconnection and doubt and all those things, even when we were loved. I mean, I, I look around at these Tony Robbins events and at, at all these people that look very different from me. You know, some some look like me, but but it's such a diverse crowd. This idea that there's a group of people that are self-selected that say, I want to learn. I'm willing to do the hard work and the scary work. It takes a ton of courage. Here's what I love. I feel like it's essentially saying to yourself, even if you don't use the words, maybe I don't know it all and maybe I was wrong. Right? And that being in that, I mean, that that it feels like there's a humility there that gives us the chance to transform. But if I if I'm not, you know, if I know it all and I figured it all out, yeah, you wouldn't be there and I was like I want to ask Siri a question, and Andrea loves an unpopular opinion. So here comes the unpopular Mm -hmm. opinion. I am not a Tony Robbins person. I don't know him. The samples I've seen of him have been very, for me, it's not my vibe, okay? What am (laughs) I missing? I'm not saying you have to defend him. I don't dislike him. I'm just curious, for someone like me who I don't, I don't vibe well with kind of louder men who are really strong Mm kind of in your face. So- But that's, but I don't know him. I've never seen a long extended thing. What am I missing? 
I wrote a chapter in my book called The Power of the Unexpected Teacher. And that is where you sometimes learn from unexpected, you know, maybe it's from a horse or a dog or a person that you're not typically vibing with because it's a big yeah. man. You know, it's being open to the possibility that we can learn from people that we would never expect to learn from. Maybe we're going to learn from a homeless person that lives on the street, some real powerful yeah. lesson. But I think what what drew me to Tony and what I love about him, he, let me kind of step back to college and having anxiety and OCD. And in that day and age, nobody spoke about having anxiety, yeah. fear, self-doubt, nothing. So I thought like I, I felt like I was the only person on the planet that felt these things. And that made me feel so alone that yes. I reached a point where I was ready to take my own life. Now, one of the things I love about these events and Tony himself is he gets up there, his brilliance and wisdom was born in real painful things that happened in his life. You know, really hard upbringing. But mm. he is up there and in him we see the possibility of ourselves. When I go to speak, I want people to see the possibility of themselves in me. Like, hey, this girl was, you know, had anxiety and OCD yeah. and didn't want to live and and look at her now. Like, there's hope for me because I feel these things. I've always yeah. done this with my athletes. It's like, guys, you know, I failed over and over again. I had massive self-doubt. I used to pee on the start line because I was so <laughs> nervous. Like, so that oh, they crap. know there's nothing wrong with them. This yeah. is part of life. So I loved that he was getting up there, not saying, which happens a lot. You can get on, you know, social media and find all these people that are so successful. And it looks like it was just so easy with success after success after success. That's not Tony. He gets up there and you can relate. He's very relatable. Yeah. And sometimes we need that loud energy because it's something different that's going to stimulate something inside of us that hasn't been stimulated before. And from that, there could be a breakthrough. Yeah. So I sometimes put myself in situations, you know, well, my God, uh, let me try and, oh, I mean, back in college, you know, I, I was shy. I was an introvert. I didn't say much. I was kind of like in the background, except on the sports fields. And I decided one summer to go be a, 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 geo at club med and because i wanted to explore i was like this is so not me but what if it is like yeah. what if i'm not this shy introverted wallflower what if i am a leader what if i am someone that can inspire and encourage and so i chose this because i thought i'm going to put myself in an environment that i didn't vibe with joanna it was yeah. terrifying to me but i put myself in it and I said, I'm going to show up and I'm going to try this other personality on for size that wasn't me at the time. But mm -hmm. I had to get people off their beach chairs to do water aerobics classes. And I'm jumping up and down and <laughs> all this stuff that I would never do before. But what I found is, wow, there are some things here that feel more like me than the way I've been living. Yeah. You know, I'm still very introverted, believe it or not. But I also love being a leader. I love inspiring. I love encouraging. And if I hadn't gotten myself out of my environment, my typical environment that I vibe with, I would have never discovered the. Well, I, yeah, you had to get out of your comfort zone. It sounds yeah. like, like so, Joanna, <laughs> what are you getting from this? <laughs> it's like maybe you just 
give it a try. And with yeah. no judgment, yeah. you can't go in with expectation or judgment. Yeah. That's going to cloud your vision. Oh, oh, yep. I got to I got to weigh in here. So I got my husband to uh, come to date with Destiny with me on um, this past December. And he went in, I, I will say, with low expectations. And he was really blown away. And so, you know, I think you're right. Like, you have to be open. If he was completely not open to it, it would have That's uh, a waste been a of money. failure. Yeah. Hmm. But to go in and say, let me just let me just check it out. And I, you know, I only got reconnected. I I think I had Tony's book, Unleashing the Power Within or Unlimited Power, whatever that was from like the 80s. Unlimited Power. And then I, 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 yeah, yeah. And then I'd heard about um, the Stanford research and I was blown away. I was like, wait, what? Like, holy cow. And I I was like, ah, that guy's kind of bro. Like, not bad, but like kind of just not like a, a little bro. like you're saying, Joanna, like, yeah, just kind of not my vibe. And then I did my first event, which is where I first saw you, Siri, uh, almost a year ago. And I was just such a fan. And as as uh, Joanna and others at your tango will or anybody that I know <laughs> will be like, oh, my God, let me tell you yeah. what I learned from Tony Robbins. Super fan, super so fan right there. Teacher. But so yeah. I encourage you, Joanna, and anyone else listening <laughs> that kind of has your, your same uh, opinion at this point in time, mm-hmm. is sometimes you got to go those places that you think you have no desire to go to in order to mm-hmm, find yeah. something that you had no idea. You know how, right. what do people say, you know, I went for something I wanted, but I left with what I needed, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm um, going to reassure you and tell you that I'm afraid of boats and water, but I'm getting on a boat on February <laughs> 5th to go look for orcas with my friend. Not, there you go. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about. in the right about. direction. Now jump in the water, Joanne. Joanne I want to see you jump in the water. Yeah. I'm going to have talking. some Tony Robbins on repeat because I yeah. am so scared. Tony, it's all Siri. It's all Siri <laughs> from here on out. Yeah, right. I'll just have Siri on repeat. I can hear <laughs> Siri cheering for me like, get on the boat. Find an orca. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But just excited um, about what you're going to yeah. discover. I mean, that Club Med experience changed me because I thought I'm going to try these things on for size. Literally in the in the interview beforehand, they ask, are you extroverted, introverted? I'm like extroverted, which I'm not <laughs> like all the opposites. And because uh, I was you. at this point in time where it's like, well, what if this identity that I have was placed upon me because my mom used to say, oh, she's so shy. She won't say a word to you or, oh, oh she's brave. Mm. You know, like we sometimes our identity is just what we were told from our parents, our teachers. Yeah. Like what if that's have? not who I am? What if I'm more oh my than God. that? But if you don't try it on, see how it feels, you'll never know and you'll continue to live an identity that perhaps is boxing you in and keeping you from the extraordinary life that you sh- that you are capable of living. Yeah, that's oh, so I love powerful that. so about the parenting. Yeah, it's such a reminder for Andrea and I as parents about labeling a kid that it's like, oh no, she's shy. No, he's he's oh. he's he he's a he makes a mess. Whatever that label is. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, to try to be <laughs> try to be conscious of that. So, um, Siri, there's a video of you that um, that your Tango team is obsessed with, where you talk about um, overcoming OCD, um, and it's like, holy cow! I-, I feel like I've got some ideas for how that happened. But do you mind just sharing what that was? Was there a single moment that caused you to shift, or was it just you know those sequence of moments that led to a breakthrough? I'd love to hear how. I mean, because what you describe is intense. 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I think OCD, let, let me first say, OCD can be amazing. To a certain mm -hmm. point, it's awesome. It will, you know, it helps you become a higher performer. But right when you go too far with it, it can be so damaging. Like I was so exhausted. I truly was thinking about ending it all. And, you know, this is when Tony Robbins and his works came into my life. And it was that first book, Unlimited Power. Yeah. And it was one sentence where focus goes, energy flows. And I thought, oh, my God. So if that means that if what I'm focusing on gets bigger and bigger and bigger and closer to me, then all these things that I'm thinking about that I'm trying to avoid and I don't want to have happen and I'm obsessing over every single day. I convinced myself that if I keep doing that, I'm actually making it more likely that those things are going to happen. First okay. And that's terrifying. So <laughs> what I knew I needed to do, and, and you know, I came to an understanding where, I, and again, this is doing the work, Joanna, that we talk about. You can't just like say something and it's better. So I went back and it's like, well, gosh, let me think about my patterns of focus. Like, what am I focusing on most of the time? I'm focusing on everything that's missing, everything I don't have, everything that's wrong, all my problems everything I can't control, like what other people do, how they respond, how they react to things, like everything, you know, that I was focusing on made me feel bad, made me uh -huh. feel scared, made me feel anxious. And it's like, okay, well, what if, what if instead I focus on everything I have, my health, a family that loves me, I'm going to a great school, I've got friends, um, I've got brains, whatever, like focus on all that I have, focus on possible solutions, like, oh, I'm, I'm so anxious. Well, maybe I need to just focus on everything that could go right versus everything that could go wrong. So I start really analyzing my patterns of focus. And it was all on all the wrong things that was taking me away from everything I wanted. So what I realized was, and this became the process, this became my work, was to catch myself every single moment where, where I was focusing on something that made me feel bad. Now I've come to, I've come to create a formula and I'm going to share it with you. This is Yay. the formula I use, but I was unaware that it was actually a system. And it took me going back to figure out how I did this to kind of reveal the formula. So the formula was like, I'd be feeling, I'd be suffering and I would try to label it. Some of us have a real hard time labeling our what we're feeling. So I just label it to the best of my ability. So maybe, you know, it's, it's like, I'm feeling so awful. Okay, Siri, like, what are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling, you know, desperate fear. Okay. So that's question number one. What are you feeling? Label it. Question number two, what are you focusing on? Because I needed to start understanding what the source of these horrible feelings were. So what are you focusing on? I'm focusing on my mom dying, my dad dying, me getting sick, somebody getting cancer. So the third question, this is the most important question, and it's going to change over time. What do you want most right now? Right. And at the time, what I wanted most was freedom, freedom from this suffering, freedom from this pain, this fear, this everything. All I wanted was freedom. So question number four, so you have your thing that, you're, that you want more than anything. Question number four is what I'm focusing on and how it's making me feel 
taking me closer to what I want most. So is me focusing on somebody dying, somebody getting cancer, things I have no control over and feeling that desperate fear, is that taking me closer to that freedom that I yearn for? Absolutely not. It is taking me so much further away. So question number five, what must I focus on instead? And that's where I could write the ship. And it's like, okay, you know, instead I'm going to focus on my health, my strength, the health of my parents, you know, um, I'm active every day, like everything that was good, everything that was right, all my, you know, stacking my proof of all the reasons why, you know, I'm healthy, whatever. And so, but this happened, you guys, a hundred times a day. Because remember, I'm thinking this way all day long, except when I'm out on the sports field. So all day long, I am, we all have the remote control in our hand. Mm -hmm. And what you have to do is when you build an awareness of a negative emotion that's making you feel bad, it's doing that self-inquiry. What am I focusing on? What do I want most? Is, is me focusing on this taking me closer to what I want or further away? And if it's taking you further away, change the channel. Click and focus on what's right, what you have, what you can control, your solutions, all of that. So all day long, I'm changing the channel, changing the channel. And that's brain how long plasticity. How, how long did that take? Did, from the time when you was like at the nadir to the time where you were like, holy crap, I'm free from OCD. What was that time frame like? And I realize it's degrees, right? I, I mean, I realize it was a massive, like in that first like six months of conditioning okay. this. But I'm talking sure. like, I was like a dog of the bone. It's like, change the channel, change the channel, change the channel. And then you start feeling this, this, you know, your energy, when you're thinking better thoughts, you've got more energy. And when you have more yeah. energy, you become more resourceful. And by right. that, it means you're, you're better able to find, you know, something better to focus on. You're better. You're, you, you create a virtuous. It's like you're creating a virtuous cycle, right? Right. It's like it's that those little incremental shifts start to kind of be their own reward. So my energy is here. I'm making better decisions about what to focus on. And I'm experiencing freedom for the first time in like decades. So that happened quickly, but it required commitment. Now, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to take a six month intensive commitment than a lifetime of suffering. So you got to, you know, doing the totally. hard thing today makes tomorrow easier. Doing you're choosing easy. you. Yeah. I mean, you're choosing you, right? Let, that's what that's what you did, and that's what you, I feel like. All these stories that you've shared, that to me is the theme, which is just a freaking a, a great place to end on. Because unfortunately, oh. I know you need to do a call. Otherwise, I'm so we'd sorry. Like to I'm here another couple hours. I would love to come back though, and I think back. that would you be know, great. I love these conversations. I know you know this show is very relationship oriented mm-hmm. but the most important relationship of all is you and you and amen sister one last thing all those things that we feel pain over that we didn't get from our parents when we were kids you have the ability to give yourself all those things every single day and in that you are healed so give yourself all those things you never got Totally. Oh, I love it. You are an inspiration and you are the gift, Siri. So 
thank you for being on our show. Thank you for the all the work you do. I know you've inspired so many people in even in the events that I've attended. When you're ready to go on stage, people are like freaking out and they're all like, you know, taking notes and jumping up and down. So it's it's just so thank cool you. to thank have you so on much. our show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both so much. You're amazing. Keep bringing this amazing light into the world and so much love to everyone listening. Thank you all so much. All right. Awesome. Thanks. Oh my God, I love her. Isn't she oh just awesome? No, she's amazing. She really, it, it is so interesting when um, when we're at these events and it's like, okay, Siri Lindley's coming up and people freak out. So, I mean, for good sure. reason. She's, she really, she's so wise and warm and wonderful. So what do you guys, do you have um, one favorite actionable takeaway that you are going to critically um, adopt into your own life? Well, as I said, <clears throat> I'm going on this boat trip and I don't love the open sea or sure. boats just for one afternoon. But I do think I have been a little bit focused on like being scared. And I do say like, oh, I'm going to be brave. And she said like, focus on what's good. And that's what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep whenever I start to feel afraid about it. It's like, okay, I've been afraid of this, but I'm going to focus on like a whole day to day with Katie and Cassandra and focus on like that time and then focus on like what will it be like if we do look at whales that's going to be amazing like how what if we do find an orca that's incredible like focus on that instead and it's a little thing but it is symbolic about life well i feel like you're saying her her um uh statement here where focus goes energy flows yeah so just that idea of really focusing on and that thing i really love her question number three what do you want most now and then is what I'm focusing on getting me closer to that? Like yes. it's such a, just a practical uh, discipline, right? I mean, if you're really, con you know, if you're, I feel like conscious of that and conscientious of asking yourself that, it, it feels like that could be a pretty, um, pretty big game changer. Uh, Brian, what about you? So there's two little things. Um, well, one is... I, I like almost wanted to like jump in and scream when she said the power of the unexpected teacher. I was like, oh my yeah. God, Andrea, you're uninvited, uninvited Buddhas. Buddha. Like, <laughs> so that I had totally. the flag of like, like Andrea, you clearly are onto something with this, this mm -hmm. thing. I mean, um, uh, but for me, the one that I, I think resonated pretty hard, it was early on when she was talking about using sports to relieve anxiety. And mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that like, I have too many thoughts going on at once. Like, like I have trouble sleeping because that is just like thoughts, 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 thoughts. And, and I do think like giving yourself almost like a thing to do that you like, like when you're playing sports or whatever, you can't really be thinking about that. You're in the moment, you're like living through the activity and everything. And it was such a good, like, like whether it's sports or otherwise, like it's such a good uh, idea to keep yourself in the moment instead of through the anxiety. And like, it is something as simple as sports. So I thought that was just like a really simple takeaway. Yeah, like finding yeah. that activity, like maybe it's like painting figurines or, you know, like the any little thing yeah. where you can't yeah. dissociate from the moment, otherwise you'll mess it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think I think those sports that are, are really demanding, uh, that is, it takes that to the next level. I remember in my 20s when I was doing karate and I was going through a really, really rough time. 
I'm I sorry, you did karate? Thought, yeah, I was just well, like, hello, boss I can't man. just like uh, drop that out of nowhere. Hold I did on. not know yeah, either. My... Oh my gosh. Karate. Uh, I out more, more, we can talk more about karate anytime, but I, I remember <laughs> thinking to myself a handful of times, and I had the best teacher. Mark, if you're listening to this, uh, thank you, Sensei. Um, but I remember thinking this is going to save me because I was in a bad place. And so when she was talking about her becoming a triathlete, triathlete, excuse me, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, just that. And even her thing when she was talking about how the the physical um, uh, pain that she went through, what what bubbled up in my brain was, oh, my gosh, people that cut themselves, right? To yeah. Because it's, yep. it's it feels better to cut yourself or have physical pain, you know, in a just really heartbreaking way than to deal with the um, emotional anguish. Uh, that some of us go through. And we can reframe that in a way too because there's definitely like a self-punishing element, especially like if you're not getting enough nutrition on your ultra marathon and you want to get as close as you can to passing out. But there's also something about that pain and, and there's been a lot of research lately and Andrew Huberman talked about it, about how when we choose to do something very hard and very scary that's within our control, then... And, and experience the pain in that moment, whether it's lifting heavier weights or, you know, climbing or facing a fear, that when we do that as a regular practice, we handle the unexpected pain and fear and hard thing better because our brains remember how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not always escapism. Like, I think it go one way or the other and you try and find that it's balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it is it is a very deliberate training. All right. I'm going to share mine and we can wrap up. I loved what she said toward the beginning, what, um, you know, big Tony quote is, what um, what if life is always happening for us, not to us? I think that is such a game changer, such a paradigm shift. And I'm mindful of her point. If they're hollow words, then frankly, it's probably going to do you a disservice. But when I think how I've I've applied that to my life and my commitment to you guys is I'm going to I'm going to really embrace this every day. I'm going to try to you know, put it on my mirror or something so I can think about it. Because I do, you know, like in the Joe Dispenza, right? We are our thoughts, like in the Joe Dispenza sort of paradigm. And not that he's the only one that talks about that, but we we largely are our thoughts. And I think this idea of framing the setbacks, the heartache, the disappointment, the loss as along with the joys, the triumphs, the unexpected, uh, beautiful, beautiful things that if we can accept that as a composite that life is happening for us, not to us, and helping us become masters. That that just, it's something that really resonates with me. Okay, that is a wrap. Uh, thanks for tuning in to yet another amazing episode of Open Relationships Transforming Together. If you like our show, we would love for you to subscribe and or follow us. We love to hear from you. Please share comments. We are eager to hear your advice and feedback. Uh, if you have ideas for the show, questions, feedback, uh, you're also welcome to email us at openrelationships at yourtango.com. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Audible, iHeart, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us. And lastly, if you really love us, and we hope you do, because we're here for you, uh, tell your friends, share our episodes, because we really want to make a positive impact in your life and your relationships. All right. Thanks. Have a great one. 